You are listening to the Physio Accelerator Podcast with Trish Wisby-Roth. Recognising yellow flags but utilising pink flags to optimise treatment outcomes. Now we've discussed a lot about initial assessment. And so once you've set up a comprehensive initial assessment, you've checked for red flags, you've done all the key assessments that are needed um, to, you know, build confidence in the patient that you're on the right track, you've done all great groundwork for effective treatment and rehab. But in getting optimal results from your rehab program, recognising if the patient does have yellow flags and then planning and utilising potential pink flags can ensure that your rehab programs get functional, optimal outcomes. All sounds like a bit much, a bit confusing. What the hell are all these flags and how do I fit it all in? And I think as a physio coming out in the early years, it can be so overwhelming. I think having worked with not only failed surgery um, through to complex presentation of patients uh, that weren't responding, so they were second or third, um, you know, referral because they were complexed onto Olympic athletes has really made me over the years grapple with what are the really crucial pieces of the puzzle um, to get optimal results. And it truly is multifactorial for every single person who walks through the front door. So don't feel you have to tick all these things off in the initial assessment. There's only so much you can do and it depends. You know, in our specialist clinic, we have a one hour initial assessment. But if you have a half an hour or 40 minutes, you need to prioritise what you're going to do to build confidence and buy in that initial session And then in subsequent sessions, you can think, okay, I'm going to tick off and and really discuss some key um, yellow flags and how we're going to turn those to pink flags. And that doesn't mean anything to you yet, but I'll go through that. So I want you to not feel overwhelmed by this, but no, they can be a little checklist so that by the end of, of seeing the patient, you know, three or four times, you can get, go back over these checklists and, yes, I've looked at that. Yes, I've looked at yellow flags. Yes, we've set up some education for pink flags so that you don't have to have it all in your head and continually be thinking, what have I forgotten? So what are yellow flags and why are they important? Now, in undergraduate, it's very likely that you've learnt about yellow flags, but it's important to realise that yellow flags are not a diagnosis. Rather, they take into consideration the patient's attitudes, their judgments, their beliefs about the workplace, but also their beliefs about family or their return to sport or their potential for success. Will they be able to get to that gold medal race or is it 
this is the end of their career. So these yellow flags really are seen and usually reported in a negative light, such as fear avoidance behaviours, over-reliance on passive treatments or the next quick fix, or belief that their condition's likely to get worse or may never recover. And that can be a big thing from, you know, workers' comp through to elite athlete because changes on scans may continue to be there whether their pain and function have been optimised or not. So um, many people, I think, have yellow flags. And as far as an elite athlete goes, if they're injured and I'm seeing them and they're not competing, nearly every one of them has yellow flags that need to be um, identified. There are validated questionnaires like the Arebro, which is sometimes known as the OMPQ questionnaire. I like that one and we use that uh, particularly for our um, workers' comp patients. There's a fear avoidance questionnaire and then there's a tamper scale for kinesophobia, looking at how fearful they are of movement. And there's several others that can be used. The aim is to quantify the risk factors that these beliefs um, and yellow flags have on the success of your rehab strategy. So it is really true and I think it's important to look at these questionnaire and yellow flags because the research does show that higher scores on these questionnaires can be a predictor of possible or perceived psychological barriers to recovery, delay their return to work, to sport or even to pre-injury life activities. The reason I went with the uh, OMPQ questionnaire was that uh, some years ago there was a really nice study performed um, as part of a PhD work that that demonstrated that if a score of 130 or more on the OMPQ questionnaire uh, predicted an 80% chance that the patient wouldn't return to their their work duties within six months if the identified yellow flags were not addressed. So these are the kind of factors that can slow down recovery or when a patient responds differently to a rehab program that's been well planned out that you feel should be um, achieving better results. And often it can be disappointing for both the patient and the therapist because you get less effective outcomes from the rehab uh, process than you could be. Now, Unfortunately, even though in the psychosocial world there has been a lot of focus on yellow flags and and dealing with psychosocial issues, the focus up until now on yellow flags has actually been really negative. So when you do one of these questionnaires and there's significant yellow flags, um, it can decrease not only 
the patient's belief that they're going to get better, but it can also decrease the belief in the therapist that the patient is going to be compliant and get the best results. So, you know, you have to be really careful that while it's important to look at yellow flags, not to let those yellow flags of the patient start projecting onto you and your perceived outcomes that the patient will be able to achieve. So that brings me to pink flags. The real trick as a really good physio in private practice, once you've got buy-in from the patient, is also to recognise potential yellow flags from from the patient, but also from yourself, that there sometimes can be biases that you think, oh, well, they're a bit older and they're, they're deconditioned anyway, they're probably not going to do well. They're a certain nationality, they, they probably won't do well. Do you know, this is a re- reoccurring injury, they're probably not going to be do well. Can you see that they are actually, you, us as therapists, predicting or projecting yellow flags onto the patient's rehab strategy? So the trick is to turn yellow flags into positive pink flags when possible. And that may not always be possible, but I'm going to tell you some tricks of the trade of how you can go about that. So why is turning yellow flags into pink flags positive rehab? Well, firstly, I better tell you what a pink flag is. It is un more likely that you haven't heard about pink flags because they're relatively new and they're at the moment an unofficial flag that was developed initially in the context of dealing with tendinopathy conditions. The reason for tendinopathy conditions is that they can be notoriously difficult to manage functionally And recovery can be slow even with the ideal rehab strategies. And I've seen these from failed surgery, from workers' comp injuries, through to elite athletes. And I had the great honour to do a workshop with Ebony Rio and Tash Stanton talking a little bit about positive words and also utilising pink flags to optimise Um, rehab in the 2019 SMA conference. And it's wonderful to see these amazing young researchers being able to talk about how how as therapists we can utilise these strategies, not only to help the patient, but also to help us as therapists. So where yellow flags focus on the negative psychosocial barriers to recovery, what pink flags actually do is they focus on the psychosocial predictors of a good or positive outcome. And now these can be dramatically influenced by the patient education. They may have done some educating themselves, but there's so many great resources now available to um, physios from books by NOI to um, podcasts to downloaded programs that have been designed by universities that 
really can dramatically change and influence the patient through positive education, trying to get them to have a positive attitude about pain levels and what pain levels are okay and what pain levels mean that you're doing too much. So it's not pain is bad, but monitoring it and function. Goal setting, really important because that can turn lots of things positive if they're focusing on where they want to go. Pacing strategies and flare-up strategies early on in your treatment session. So while yellow flags are negative, if you can turn them into a positive, then it makes it a win-win situation for the patient, for the therapist, and do you know there's a lot of reflected glory even for the for the referring doctor if you can get, you know, a positive biopsychosocial rehab program happening. While these yellow flag questionnaires are useful for identifying the factors, but they do focus on the negative effects. So once those things have been identified, what you can do is is use a goal-orientated way of talking and change them into pink flags. And if you can change them into pink flags with education and, as I said, positive words and pacing, then they actually will have a positive outcome on your rehab strategy and a positive effect on not only the patient but on the therapist and your working relationship with with the patient. Hey guys, Phil here. Just taking a quick break to let you know that if you wanted to leave any comments or ask any questions, you can do that at the Physio Accelerator Facebook page. This is also where we host our live Q&As with Trish Rizby-Roth once a month. Before we get back to the show, I'm just going to hear a quick word from our sponsors at Astor Australia. Astor Australia where you can find Australia's widest and best range of physiotherapy and allied health product. Our complete range of consumables and equipment mean that professionals can spend more time with their clients than on the phone ordering the next batch of products. Download the app, pick up the phone, or visit one of our branches today. Now, as therapists, we should be interested in optimising the positives of a patient's belief system that will really enhance recovery and will maximise the rehab outcomes. And realistically, if you're some, a patient is positive and you're feeling positive about a patient, you see their name on your, on your day sheet and you're quite happy to see how they're going. You're excited to see how things are going. And if you can build those pink f- flags with effective communication, the education that's needed, the careful choice of words and build their confidence, not only will you get better outcomes, but it really builds your confidence as a physiotherapist. And even as a new grad, I'm sure you've probably experienced when you see somebody somebody's name on your on your list for today and you think oh my goodness it's going to be a tough day and you know they're those types of patients that you do what you can with their yellow flags you try to change what you can to pink but sometimes they're it's 
not your it's not within your job description or within your abilities to be able to change all of those those yellow flags and those beliefs and it's then where you have to think ring the insurance company or speak to the GP or the referring specialist and say I've identified these things we've really tried to change their kinesophobia or or their fear of the pain or we've done a lot of pain education but I think I need some backup here could we look at a um a pain psychologist or someone to back you up and possibly some short-term pain medication if sensitization is an issue. Don't feel that you have to be the sole responsibility if you're trying to optimize the pink flags, optimize the rehab strategy and and you're hitting some brick walls. It it's important for you to know there's a multidisciplinary team out there and as a physiotherapist, you don't have to be the answer for everything. So if we go back to pink flags and we talk about that they focus on positive attitudes and beliefs, which really can influence a patient's behaviour and their emotions. So Many of you will have done already some education and there's much greater educators than me on um, on pain theory, pain management. But we do know that educating the patient, informing them with knowledge about how the brain and the body and pain works and early on getting them to understand pacing programs so that Generally, if they can keep their pain under three, maximum four out of ten, then at those kind of pain levels, function can be progressed. So the aim is not zero pain, but a manageable pain that you can progress function. And the reality is, when you think about it, do you know a pain of one, two, three out of ten you know, you can have that from sitting in front of a computer all day, doing too much at the gym. It's it's a part of life to have those aches and pains. And if you really focus, if you sat there and thought, oh, do I feel a bit stiff or a bit sore somewhere, you probably could find something. So I think letting them know that we're not going for zero pain, but keeping pain at a manageable level. And a three out of, or four out of 10 generally is that kind of pain that you can um, focus your attention away from. The other thing I say to people very early on is these exercises that have worked for you in this early stage and help you get on top of any flare-ups of your pain. This I want you to print out, have it on your fridge, have it somewhere, and it's your flare-up strategy. Because through this rehab program, everyone who is trying to improve function, trying to get stronger, coping with what they need to get back to, you know, trying to build their endurance, their strength, their function, their loading there will be times that you overdo it a bit. And that doesn't mean that there's any damage. It just means that flare-up strategy is there because then you've got control. These are the things that will settle it down. 
do those, you know, for three or four days if and you'll start to get under control by the time you come back to physio it often will already be starting to settle and that takes a lot of the fear out of it so it becomes oh, I've just done a bit too much okay I do my flare-up strategy rather than oh my goodness I've done too much I'm back to square one I've torn things so it takes away a lot of a lot of that fear and it gives them control back and psychosocially if they feel that they have control in what's happening in their life, it makes a huge difference. I think at a human level, uh, when control is taken away, it really can be detrimental on many levels. So I think giving them that active management approach and focusing on goals that progress loading, function and ability is really important. Um, and I really try to, even if they're a workers' comp or an elite athlete, I try to have goals that are to do with lifestyle, with family, with recreation, and then with either their work or their sport. So make sure it's not just focused on their sport or just focused on their work. So there's many things you can you can talk about trying to optimise pink flags, but I think some of the key things is changing their attitude and belief strategies and that, you know, the way you talk and the education can have a huge impact and then you can direct them to do lots of reading as much as they want at what detail they can cope with and that's very important sometimes you we can overwhelm them with the detail so i'm just going to go through five five points that i think are worthwhile uh, when you're trying to optimize pink flags the first one is talking to them and getting them to understand that pain does not always mean harm and managing pain levels to a functional level can allow them to increase their function even though their pain is still at a one, two, three out of ten. So what this does is it and we give them an actual pacing program for an eight or twelve week period. And what it does is it focuses them away from what how much pain and more towards function. And that needs to be the goal optimising function towards um, their their end goals. Secondly, the belief that that being active is a posit- positive and, and managed way to get to their functional recovery and that by gradually increasing function, there will occasionally be flare-ups and that's why you've got a flare-up strategy and that will help to decrease that fear of exacerbation. Even elite athletes need that because there will always be time, even with Olympic athletes, that they push too hard or they're feeling great and so they'll go out and do triple the number of of kilometres on the bike than they were supposed to and then they come back with a return of their pain. And so being able to um, manage that is really important. Thirdly, the belief that 
the pain levels can be manageable and continuing with a degree of work or sport or normal activity age recovery. As an Olympic physio, if someone came into me with a flare-up of their pain and I said to them, okay, stop all activities, go to total rest for, you know, several weeks and then we'll start again, that would be the end of the year in the sport. It, if, if they had that kind of time off, then that probably is the end of their Olympic cycle of four years. So trying to find out that manageable amount with a pain of, you know, three, four out of ten, hope, hopefully around three, um, and that movement is a crucial part of the recovery, helps a lot with those pink flags. Building the desire of the patient to be involved in their own recovery. We, no matter how hard we try, physiotherapists can't, with just passive treatment alone, be a magic bullet. And really, if, if we are, then it's more good luck combined with the body's own ability to heal. Uh, and I think if you can convince the person that 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 they if they're involved in their own recovery it really kickstarts the body's own healing processes and it and the regeneration and building of strength it really puts the power back in their hands rather than being reliant on another medical intervention or another scan that may bring up more red herrings that create terror and fear that may be unrelated to their presenting signs and symptoms. Finally, the belief that rehab and exercise strategies mixed with your body's own biology and ability to heal will do a better job in the end of the day for function than keeping on going and looking for the next magic fix. If people know and believe they are on the right path, they can understand that the path sometimes can take a bit of time. They just have to believe and be convinced that they're on the right path. And that as a physiotherapist is sometimes a challenge and sometimes you've got to change your words around. And really as a physiotherapist, the words you use really matter. And the words and the terminology will influence the patient's decision-making regarding intervention, you know, treatment fears, um, and their feeling of self-control over their situation. So you really can give them the confidence that they're on the right path. And if you feel they're not on the right path, then you are willing to look at other people in the multidisciplinary team to help make sure we get you get them back on the right path. A really nice example of this is in tendon, tendinopathy, where we could describe to the patient that their tendon issue is tendon pain related to mechanical loading of the tendon rather than there's a tear in the tendon or loss of tendon structure. So 
As we know with tendinopathy, findings on scans can still be there despite resolution of all the symptoms, and they may actually not have any clinical relevance. So focusing on the solution, which is increasing the, the tendon's ability to cope with load, has a much more positive effect and really will influence a patient's pink flags and the words that physios use is going to be really different. So it's uh, worth thinking a little bit about how you talk about conditions. And even if you are talking about x-rays or scans, say, well, that's kind of like the wrinkles. I often say I'm the right age. I can say a lot of those things are like the wrinkles around my eyes. I prefer they weren't there, but they don't affect my function. They're just because I've I've smiled a lot and had time on this earth. So I think things like that can be quite a revelation to them. But I think it is always important to remember that the patient's clinical presentation, their biopsychosocial presentation, should be the primary factors driving treatment goals in their progressions. So, you know, yes, you can look at yellow flags, but focus on creating pink flags that will really be beneficial for the rehab strategy, both for the patient and for yourself as the therapist. Now, I'm only speaking from my experiences over 30 years as a physio and also having done, you know, over 25 years of lecturing. But I truly do believe that physios are positive feedback junkies. Personally, I want to see every patient walking through my door, gaining confidence in moving, understanding how to pace to get back into life and work, building mental confidence about their their pain of fear. So communicating with the patient effectively and using words that are positive and, and build confidence rather than scary words and focusing on the negative will really make the rehab process effective and positive for everyone concerned, not just the patient, but for you. And in the end of the day, that really is what's important, that the patient comes in, they feel it's a positive place, you like seeing the patient, you've both got a game plan, you're working to the same game plan. And that is why we've all got into the game of physiotherapy, to optimise how our interaction with the patients helps them get the best out of their bodies and out of their lives. So I hope this podcast doesn't scare you, but actually gives you some tools um, to get the most, not only out of your rehab strategies, but the most for yourself out of your physio work and life. Thank you for listening to the Physio Accelerator podcast. If you'd like to find out more about what we do, head to thephysioaccelerator.com. While you're there, don't forget to sign up for our email list for more great insights from Trish and information about our upcoming courses. Before you go, if you think of a friend or a colleague who would benefit from listening to this podcast, make sure you send it their way. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.